Morning, Parkway Church. Glad you guys are with us. We are continuing on our series, Life Hacks. If you haven't been here for much of what we're talking about is we're talking about real practical things that we can do um, in our faith that helps us deal with problems we all have. And to do this, we're looking at the book of James. We'll be there once again today, James 1, we'll start out at. But like I said, there, there are problems we all have, problems that all of us have, whether we like to admit it or not. And, and the problem we're going to talk about today that is so universal is our words. <laughs> Specifically, it's this. Tell me if you've ever been in this situation. You're talking with someone, whether it's your, your spouse, a good friend, a family member, coworker, and they say something, and you respond back in an instant. <laughs> but it's not what you thought you were going to say. It's not even what you wanted to say. And as you see, it's almost like you can visualize the words leaving your mouth. And you just want to go, no, come back. Like, I don't stop. And it's slow motion. You're seeing your words go out into the world, causing destruction everywhere. You want know to remind me of now that we're in postseason baseball? It's kind of like when they do a slow motion of a pitcher and he throws a bad pitch and just that batter just like tings off of it. And that pitcher just gets to look at it going, going. Is it going to go over the wall? Yeah, it is. And then the coach does a slow walk out of it while he's just sitting there all, all depressed. It's kind of like that. We see. Oh, that's not the words I wanted to use. That's the consequences, and now I'm going to have to live with it. Have we all been in that situation? Have you all been there? It's a sinking feeling the second you say something and you regret it. I don't want to be there, but I've been there. You don't want to be there, but we have all been there. Now, here's the odd thing. We have all been there in <laughs> University or Parkway, Victoria, and I'm assuming at Lone Tree and Port Lovac as well. You're like, yeah, I've been there. We've all been there, yet we say phrases like this, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's right. Isn't that an odd phrase? It really is. Well, we all agree that, man, there's been some damage done by words we have said, by other words that people have said to me, yet we have phrases like that. Do we actually believe them? No, but we say them because we want to believe our words don't matter. Man, words matter. Words do hurt. Words do have an impact. The question is, how do we actually control it? What are the simple things, and they are quite simple things in Scripture, that teach us how to actually have words that don't tear down but actually give life, where we never have to be in that situation again, sitting there staring in slow motion as our words create some destruction? What if we actually got to see our words give life? And that's what I want to do today, talk about how we can do that through the book of James. We'll start out today, James 1.22. You can turn there with me, James 1.22. And now to do this, we have to get a big picture view of words. We have to back up a little bit and see how words fit into our faith and get a big picture first. So James 1.22 through 24, it says this. It says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. <laughs> I've been there and it's talking about a memory thing, isn't it? We can all relate to having a bad memory. For example, you ever walked into a room 
<laughs> this is the worst feeling ever. You ever walked into a room and you walk in there, it's the kitchen or the living room, and you go, what was I going to do in here? <laughs> have you ever, I love watching people that have this epiphany. They walk in the room and they go, oh yeah, it's, it's so much fun to watch people as they do that. You ever had that feeling? Uh, like it was only 10 steps from that room to the next, but you forgot what you were doing in the meantime. Well, what Scripture is talking about is memory of being forgetful, but on a whole other level. Because look what it says in 23. Anyone who listens to the Word, but does not do what it says, like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. You see who you are in a mirror. As believers, we're supposed to see who we are. If you're a believer here today, you're a cherished child of God. You're part of the redeemed. You've been adopted in the family of God. You're part of the church the church that God sent His one only Son to die for. That's who you are. When you look in the mirror, you don't see what the world says about you, not what sometimes your feelings say about you. You look into the mirror and you say, this is who I am. I am a child of God. I am loved by God. I am pursued by God. That is who I am. And who I am affects what I go out and do. It affects who I am. It affects my actions. It has to affect my actions. But look at verse 24. Sometimes we have a spiritual amnesia. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. What we can so easily do is see who we are, see who Christ says that we are, especially on a Sunday morning, on a Wednesday night. This is who I am. And then we walk away and we forget it. And we show we forget it by our actions and our words. That's why words matter, because our actions, as James bluntly says in this first chapter, our actions should be a reflection of who we are. They should be a reflection of who we say we are, more so who God says we are, including our words. He keeps on going, verse 25, he, he kind of elaborates on this idea. James 1, 25, he says this, he says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, when it says they will be blessed in what they do, I think that's a very much a here and now statement. Like we have eternal blessings by all means. You're a believer in Christ. You will spend eternity with our Lord and Savior forever. Yes and amen. But I think this blessing is talking about the here and the now. If you do these things, if you say, you know what, my life is going to impact every single part of my life, day in and day out, you receive the blessing. You receive the blessing of walking closer and closer with Jesus. The joy that's found when you walk closer with Him. The joy that's found when you have a purpose, and that purpose is to glorify Him. The joy, the blessing of when your walk with Christ affects every relationship you have. That's a blessing. Believers... If we don't allow our faith to impact our words and our actions, we miss out on the here and now, the blessings of our faith. And it keeps on going. Verse 26, he says this, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue to see themselves, and their religion is worthless. That's a strong word, isn't it? Worthless. Now, does it say non-existent? It doesn't say non-existent. I've known many believers, and I've been there different times in my life when my faith wasn't impacting my day-to-day -day life. Now, had I already believed in Jesus? Yes. Was I a, a child of His now into eternity? Yeah. 
but who is my faith benefiting at that time? The answer was no one. So you have to ask yourself this really difficult question. Who does my faith benefit? And don't leave this a hypothetical thing. Be real practical. Who does my faith benefit day in and day out? Who does my faith benefit? Because we live out our faith. If we allow who we are to impact how we live out our daily lives and the words that we choose, it will end up impacting everything we do. We receive the blessings, and as a part of it, we bless others with the gift that we have found. That's a big picture view of how our words fit in to our faith. The question is, how do we do that? What does that look like to do that on a daily basis? And I think in order to live that out, to go from... (laughs) sitting there thinking, oh no, I wish I wouldn't have said that, looking at the slow motion destruction. In order to go from that to blessing others with our words and outpouring of our faith, it takes some steps, and I think it takes answering some questions that matter, okay? So we're going to be answering some questions, not just as a whole, but as individuals. And here's the first one. The first one is this. Did I choose that word? Did I choose that word, that sentence, that phrase that I just used? You say, well, of course I did. But sometimes we like to pretend like we didn't. Like, have you ever used this phrase? I just don't know where that word came from. You ever said that before? That is the strangest phrase ever. I had somebody say, I just don't know. I don't know where that came from. I do. You said it. (laughs) I don't know where. We like to sometimes believe like words just are hovering up in the air, and random times they swoop down to attack us, and I come out of our mouth randomly to ruin our day. I don't know where that word came from. It dive-bombed me. Like That's not the way that words work. Do we choose our words? The question is, did we truly choose those words, or did they choose us? Look at this, James 1, 19-20. We back up a little bit, and it's, it has something so profound to say about this. He says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I have found those to be some of the most wisest words in Scripture. Because I'll tell you what, I've regretted things I've said. You ever been there? You ever regretted things you've said? It's a long list. Some of you guys are like, yeah, today. We've all regretted things that we've said. We said, man, I wish I could take that back. Now answer this. Have you ever regretted a time that you listened? I stopped and thought about this for a while. If I could think of one time in my life that I regretted when I listened, I couldn't think of one, especially when we were actually listening, when I was actually listening. Not the, I'm kind of listening to you, but I'm really thinking of the next thing to say because I think I have a really good point to make, so I'm just kind of listening while I'm thinking of this next thing to say. Not that listening, real engaging, eye-to-eye contact, trying to see where they're coming from, listening. We should be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to anger, quick to hear people out. That's really the first step. Because when we do that, when we're slow to speak, we actually have time to think about and choose the words we're going to say. Because the words matter? Yes and amen, they do. If they matter, they're worth choosing. Verse 21 Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth. 
You see, what's easy to do is to accept some things is okay to say. We accept some phrases, some words, because when you look around us in society, they're said all the time, aren't they? Here's the thing. The, the way that we choose our words, the way that we filter our words, the mechanism we use isn't based on what the world says is valid and okay and acceptable. Believers, that's not our filter. That's not what we choose to do. We are called to not even, we're called to get rid of all moral filth. Man, don't accept for, man, just having words or sentences or conversations that are somewhat better than the average person's or somewhat better than your coworkers, somewhat better than this family member or this friend. Our example is Christ, and he breathed life into his conversations. That's our example. That's our filter, not anything else. The next question is this, and this is the key. Where did that word come from? Now, we already talked about this. Sometimes we like to pretend like they come from outer space, you know, like there's somebody imposing as us. They're opposing as us, and they said that phrase. We didn't actually say it. Where did that word come from? We like to pretend like it didn't come from us, but we have to get a little more specific. Check this out in Luke 6, 34 through 45. We're going to jump out of James for a brief moment. Luke 6, 43 through 45, it says this. He says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a tree bear, uh, does, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. You don't go up to a Wiesatch tree going, I wonder where all the pecans are. Like, where are they at? That tree is useless. We, we don't. We don't use that tree for anything. Verse 45, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And that last passage packs a punch, doesn't it? Where do our words come from? They come from our heart. That's the difficult answer there. They come from our heart. And if you're one of those doing the fill-in-the-blank and you're nervous because I got 15 minutes into this talk without a fill-in-the-blank, don't worry, we're here, all right? Number one, our words, I saw your eyes. You're like, he forgot it. No, I didn't. Our words spring from our heart. Our words spring up from our heart. We like to pretend like they come from somewhere else. We like to pretend like they just happen. No, they come from our heart. So here's why this matters. You say, well, I'll just filter out what I say. I'll just filter what I say. That's the key. That's a lot of times people think. We have a New Year's resolution to, to curse less, to gossip less, to say things that are hurtful, to be so sarcastic or toxic. We think, I need to filter more. Filtering matters. We already talked about filtering. Is the filtering a good thing? Yeah. But here's the thing. Think about this. And I am by no means a mechanic or mechanically inclined or all that handy. That's every other male on planet Earth with the last name McCarson. That gene skipped me, okay? <laughs> Anybody else, guys in my family, go to them. Like Thanksgiving, they're talking about how to fix their cars. And I'm there like, yeah, summer camp this year, you know? Like, I'm just not, <laughs> I'm the black sheep of the family in that regards. But with my limited mechanical know-how, a filter, it only catches so much, Correct. Like a filter is not a permanent solution if everything going through there is just toxic. It eventually, it wears out, doesn't it? 
For example, when me and my wife were getting married, been married years now, we're on year number four, and we were moving into our house. See, the ladies were like, does he remember? Does he remember? I did. All right. We were moving into our house, and I had previously lived in this house, and I lived there with a bunch of other guys, okay? And so this was a bachelor pad, so it needed a tiny bit of, you know, tidying up. We moved in there, and she said, man, my allergies are awful. My, my, my allergies, are, they're, they're awful. Like, she, she was so miserable, you know? And I said, I don't know what the issue is. She says, when was the last time you changed the filter in the A.C.? The what? <laughs> She's like, the, the filter in the AC is like, I forgot about that. <laughs> I, peeled, I peeled it out of there. I kid you not, it was black. All right, like I pulled it out and it growled at me. Okay, like it was bad. Why? Because the filter, it stopped working after a while. Believers, the filter for our words, they only work so much eventually what's in our heart, it's going to come out one way or the other, usually at the most inopportune time. If you got bitterness in there, it's going to come out. If you got anger, it's going to eventually come out. If you have jealousy, it's going to eventually come out. If you're kind of self-seeking, it's going to come out. We don't like it, but that's the origin. So here's the big idea. Do we need a more of a filter? Yes. But for many of us, and I've been there before in my life, we need a heart surgery first. We need to fix what is in our heart before we ever figure out how to filter some things. We have to figure out what do the words that we are saying reflect about where our hearts are. That's the difficult question that you have to ask. Where does that word come from? Does that hurtful word, what hurt in your life is that word coming from? That word of vengeance where is that coming from in here? You have to peel back the layers and figure that out. Nobody else can do that for you. You have to do the hard work of stopping and saying, where did that word come from? Because filtering everything isn't the end goal. It helps, but it's not the final solution to it. And we have to realize that our words matter and they have an impact. And we have to ask that question. <laughs> did I choose that word? Where did that word come from? And then finally... What's the impact of that word? So we all agree the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is a lie. Our words matter. They have an impact. We have to ask what kind of impact we want our words to have. Because fill in the blank number two is this. Our, our words are small, but they have a huge impact. They have a huge, huge impact. They last longer than we want them to sometimes. Good and bad. Check this out in, John, in James 3. Jumping back into James for a while. James 3, 3 through 4, it says this. We put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us. We can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are given by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Are our words everything? Not quite, but they're close. You see, our words, eventually, they kind of reflect who we are as a person. They develop our reputation, and they eventually become how the entire world perceives us. Are words everything? No, but they're a whole, whole, whole lot. Our words and our actions, yeah. 
They mean a lot because they do so much. They both breathe life and they can also destroy. As it says in verse 5, it says this, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes a great boast. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself on fire by hell. Those are some strong words. Verse 7, All kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly desires. No man can tame the tongue. You ever thought about how much mankind has accomplished? (laughs) Exploring space, going to the moon, discovering all of these cures for, for illnesses, done all of these great things. Have we tamed our tongues yet? No. It's something that's far more difficult than we ever thought about. It can destroy so many things, but here's the positive. With all of its destructive power, it has the ability to heal. It has the ability to courage. It has the ability to speak life. Because here's the thing. We can't leave here and just say, you know what, I need to stop saying bad things. (laughs) Yes, that is true. (laughs) If you feel convicted to stop swearing, hey, that's all by all means true. We should glorify God in whatever we say. If you leave here and you say, I need to stop gossiping the way I've been doing, yes and amen, we're called to lift people up with our words. But here's the thing, it's not just a matter of what we don't say, because we understand how much destructive power is behind our words, but it's also what we should be saying. You see, we can't be like a sports team who their coach only tells them what not to do. That's a really bad team. It's not about simply what we're called not to do. It's what we're actually called to go and do. Think about this. We've all had people we've hurt with our words and people have hurt us. But think about this. Who has spoken life into you with the words they've said? I want you to think about that. What are some conversations that you have had, Port Lavaca, Lone Tree, Victoria, and you remember them from the rest of their life because they did something to you that helped you through a time in your life, and you will never forget it. Sometimes they weren't these big, drawn-out, dramatic speeches, were they? They were simple words. I remember when I moved to Victoria, and I was teaching at West High School, and I was a first-year teacher. So I lost most of my hair that year. And um, I was was the average first-year teacher. I'm like, you know what? I went to school for four years. I got this first day of school. (laughs) That is all gone. I'm figuring this out as I go. And I had a, a vice principal that year, uh, Miss Richie. She since um, passed away and went to be with the Lord. But she was, she was doing uh, my eval that day. And um, I was super nervous because not only was I a first-year teacher my first couple months, but I had my vice principal in the back of the room. So I was like, my life is over. <laughs> I was so stressed out. And we got to the end. She said, hey, it was good. It was good. And she said this, I remember these words so clearly, I remember where we were when she said it, she said, you had a natural confidence when you taught. And as a first year teacher who was so, I was so worried and stressed, I was doing everything wrong, those words breathed life into me. They were simple words, weren't they? Hey man, you had a natural confidence when you taught up there. She didn't lie to me, she didn't butter me up, she said, you're doing everything perfect. That would be a lie. Uh, She said, 
If you get a natural confidence when you're teaching, that's going to go a real long way for you. That breathed life into me. Simple words of affirmation. I lived off that for weeks. <laughs> now, what was probably the truth was I looked really confident in doing things wrong, but that's okay. Simple words. What are the simple words that people need to hear in your life? You breathe life into them. And they're not always the easy words to say. I remember I had a mentor of mine, Chance Yankee. I interned for him when he was a student pastor in a little, call, a little town in Dublin, Texas, up in central Texas, there for, for years and years. And I was interning under him as kind of this unofficial intern, and, and we had one of these coffee shop conversations we oftentimes had, and Chance had this thing where he'd pull out a napkin. <laughs> but he didn't have like a notebook or like notes. He'd write it out on a napkin, just like as it came to him on his mind. I loved it. And he, he wrote out things and said, you know what, these are things that I see in you that they're going to take you a long way in your life and in ministry. Man, that napkin stayed in my Bible for years because it breathed life into me. And they weren't all easy words, though. He had some things, hey, you need to watch out for this. He said, you know what, one of your greatest attributes is you're loyal. Well, sometimes you're also loyal to a fault. You stick around long after the times you shouldn't. You think that was easy to hear? No, but I knew it was true because I know he cared for me. And he was there for a couple of my breakups in college, and so he could speak into that situation. But the thing is, is they breathe life into me. Because I said, you know what? I'm going to take all those positive things you said and the things you say I need to watch out for. I watched out for them, didn't I? Those words breathe life into me because I had a close relationship with him. I want to ask you this. We can't just focus on the words that we are called not to say, although we should, by all means, not say some words. We should, by all means, cut gossip out of our lives and things like that. What are the words that we need to say to breathe life into people around us. That our words are a ministry to people. As Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. What words do you need to speak to people, to your kids, to your coworkers, to your spouse, to breathe life into them for their benefit? Because I believe we're always focused on the words we should say, on the words that we should breathe life into people. The destructive words, they kind of fall by the wayside. We're focused on what we should say and what we should do to bring glory to God. Man, gossip is an afterthought. Tearing people down is an afterthought. It's what are the words that we need to bring life into people. And lastly is this, what is the goal of what I am saying? What do I want my words to accomplish? What's the goal I want, not just in my words, but in my life? And it describes it here in verse 9 through 12 as we close out. With a tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of this same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? or a grapevine bear figs. Neither can salt produce fresh water. Saying where your heart is, your words can't produce. If your heart is not worshiping God, your, your words aren't going to follow suit. But the reverse is true, believers. The reverse is true, church. Is that if our, if our heart is worshiping God and desiring to know God more, our words will instantly follow suit. So fill in the blank number three is, 
Our words reflect our worship. Our words reflect our worship all the time, every time. But they do it all the time. They reflect our worship, good or bad, don't they? They reflect our worship. If we're worshiping ourselves, our words reflect. If if we're worshiping our accomplishments, our words show it. Our words are always about us. (laughs) If we worship as God and how He loves us and how He cherishes us, our words show it. And what we do is we end up worshiping God with the words that we choose. Do you ever think about that? Worship isn't just simply the words we sing here. When you go into your workplaces, in your homes, in your families, and you speak words that breathe, breathe life into people, you're worshiping God in that moment. In that exact moment, you are worshiping God because you are saying, God, you're not just worthy of me praising you on this Sunday morning. You're worthy of me singing praise to you and breathing life into people just as you did to me. It's worship. We can worship God Tuesday at the water cooler at 3.30 p.m. We worship Him in that moment. We worship Him because that's who we are. We are the worshipers. We are the church. We are those who Christ sent to die for us, and we believed in Him that we may have eternal life with Him now and forever. That's who we are, and who we are is reflected in our actions and our words. That's the goal here. We just have to remember who we are. We have to stop long enough and look in the mirror and say, this is who I am, down to the very core of who I am. I'm a cherished child of God, and my words and everything I do is going to reflect that. I'm going to be screaming that from the rooftops for all to hear. That's who we are. Now, if you came in here today, though, and you say, man, I've never believed in Christ. I'm really just trying out this church thing, but you're right. I have regretted things that I've said. Those things we regret that we've said, the things we've done that have damaged people, it comes from a sin nature. (laughs) It's sin. That's what it is. We don't like to call it that very much in culture, but it's sin. And here's the thing. We all are separated from God by our sin. We all need a Savior to save us from our sin. And there is one Savior that is holy enough and perfect enough to save all of us from our sin, and that is Christ. And maybe your step today is to believe in Him. Believe that He loved you, that He cherished you, that He pursued you. If you believe in Him, you have eternal life. And then, and only then, will He transform you, including the words that you say, if you allow Him. Whatever your next step is, is it a heart surgery? Is it to believe in Christ for the first time? Is it to choose your words? Is it to actually think about what your words are accomplishing? What's your next step? The beauty of it is, is that God can convict you of that right now, as many of you He is. And I pray we may listen to him as he convicts us, myself included. Let's pray. Dear Lord, God, we thank you. How we thank you that you love us. That you cherish us, God. That you are so mindful of us. That you, you not only care about what we say, you have a deep desire that we glorify you with what we say. I thank you for that. I thank you that you care that much. I thank you that you gave us the ability to actually breathe life into people with the words that we say. I thank you for that. I pray we may do that. Each and every one of us, myself included, Lord, may we choose the words that we say. May we allow them to come from this deep sense of worship to glorify you. 
And Lord, for some of those that walked in here today, they realize because of the words they've said, that it point out to them that something's off, something's wrong. I'm broken. I'm, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I pray for that individual who is wrestling with that right now, that they may see that the answer to that problem is you, Lord. The answer to their sin is you, their Savior who died for them, paying the penalty for their sin that they never could. I pray they may believe in you today. Maybe marking that belief in you with a simple prayer, praying this, Dear Lord, I am broken. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I believe that Savior is Jesus Christ. 